Section 14 of 93 by Victor Hugo, translated by Aline Delano. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 1. Book 4. Telmarch. Chapter 1. On the Top of the Dune. The old man waited until Almelo was out of sight. Then, drawing his sea-cloak more closely around him, he started walking slowly, wrapped in thought. He took the direction of Wienne. Almelo had gone toward Beauvoir. Behind him rose the enormous triangle of Mont Saint-Michel, with its cathedral tiara and its cuirass-like fortress, whose two great eastern towers, the one round, the other square, help the mountain to bear up under the burden of the church and the village. As the pyramid of Cheops is a landmark in the desert, so is Mont Saint-Michel a beacon to the sea. The quicksands in the bay of Mont Saint-Michel act imperceptibly upon the dunes. At that time, between Wiener and Ardevan, there was a very high one, which is no longer in existence. This dune, leveled by an equinoctial gale, was unusually old, and on its summit stood a milestone, erected in the twelfth century in memory of the council held at Avranches against the assassins of St. Thomas of Canterbury. From its top one could see all the surrounding country and ascertain the points of the compass. The old man directed his steps to this dune and ascended it. When he reached the summit, he seated himself on one of the four projecting stones and, leaning back against the monument, began to examine the land that lay spread out like a geographical map at his feet. He seemed to be looking for a route in a country that had once been familiar to him. In this broad landscape, obscured by the twilight, nothing was distinctly visible but the dark line of the horizon against the pale sky. One could see the clustered roofs of eleven hamlets and villages, and all the belfries of the coast were visible several miles away, standing high that they might serve as beacons to the sailors in time of need. Some minutes later, the old man seemed to have found what he was looking for in this dim light. His eye rested on an enclosure of trees, walls, and roofs, partially visible between the valley and the wood. It was a farm. He nodded his head with an expression of satisfaction, like one who says to himself, There it is and began to trace with his finger the outlines of a route across the hedges and the fields. From time to time he gazed intently at a shapeless and somewhat indistinct object that was moving above the principal roof of the farm, and seemed to ask himself what it could be. It was colorless and dim, in consequence of the time of day. It was not a weather vane, because it was floating, and there seemed to be no reason why it should be a flag. He felt weary, and grateful to rest on the stone where he was sitting, he yielded to that vague sense of oblivion which the first moment of repose brings to weary men. There is one hour of the day which may be called noiseless, the peaceful hour of early evening. That hour had come, and he was enjoying it. He gazed, he listened. To what? To perfect tranquility. Even savage natures have their moments of melancholy. Suddenly this tranquillity was, not exactly disturbed, but sharply defined by the voices of those who were passing below. They were the voices of women and children. It was like a joyous chime of bells heard unexpectedly in the darkness. The group from which the voices came could not be distinguished, on account of the underbrush, but it was evident that the persons were walking along the foot of the dune, in the direction of the plain and the forest. As those clear, fresh voices reached the old man where he sat absorbed in thought, they were so near that he lost not a word. A woman's voice said, Let us hurry, Fleishard, is this the way? No, it is over yonder. And the dialogue went on between the two voices, 
the one high and shrill, the other low and timid. What is the name of this farm where we are living now? Erbompire. Are we still far from it? Fully a quarter of an hour. Let us make haste and get there in time for the soup. Yes, I know we are late. We ought to run, but your mites are tired. We are only two women and cannot carry three brats. And then you, Fleshard, you are carrying one as it is, a perfect lump of lead. You have weaned that little gormandizer and you still carry it. That is a bad habit. You had better make it walk. Well, the soup will be cold. Worse luck. Ah, what good shoes you gave me. They fit as though they were made for me. It's better than going barefooted. Do hurry, Ronnie Jean. He is the one who makes us late. He has had to stop and speak to all the little village girls that we meet. He behaves like a man already. Of course he does. He is going on five years old. Tell us, Ronéjean, why did you speak to that little girl in the village? A child's voice, that of a boy, replied, Because I know her. How is that? You know her, said the woman. Yes, answered the boy, because we played games this morning. Well, I must say, exclaimed the woman, we have been here only three days, a boy no bigger than your fist, and he has found a sweetheart already. And the voices grew fainter in the distance, and every sound died away. End of section 14